Welcome back to the Global Gamers Podcast. We are on episode 39. We're I'm almost running on another decade. I know we are. We're gonna be we're gonna be into the 40s before the end of the year. It's pretty wild. Yeah. Wow. And uh, that, is, that is pretty impressive. And it's still I mean, as we were kind of brainstorming um, you know, some of the games that we want to do soon we kind of realize that there's still some really big ones yeah. that we haven't touched on yet, which is yeah. fun. Yeah, there's still still a lot of ground to cover. And today we're going to cover a game that had never really been on my radar. I must have missed this when it came out a few years ago, but it's one that you recently introduced me to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I... With the Christmas holidays coming up in the not-too-distant future, it got me thinking of the movie It's a Wonderful Life. And uh, the name of this game is is not too far off from that. What it's are we a wonderful today? world. Exactly. It's a wonderful um, world. Yeah, very strange name for, honestly, any game, but particularly well, this game. Because was, it's a dystopia theme. That so was I guess my- it's ironic. That was my first question for you. Um, I couldn't think of another board game whose title was an entire sentence. <laughs> like a complete yeah. sentence. It's weird. Yeah, having a verb in a in a game name is a little strange. Yeah. But um, so without further ado, let's get into the game It's a Wonderful World. This yeah is a game from 2019, a card drafting engine building game, fairly on the light side, light to medium. And this was designed by Frederic Garrard with artwork by Anthony Wolf. And it's published by a whole slew of different um Publishers, game, uh, game publishers. I'm trying to pull up the American one, but the French one is the first one coming up for me. Uh, do you have that in front of you? Um, I can check the. Oh, okay. The version I have is the Ori Games version, so I guess that's the got it. Uh, the American, or at least the English one of the English language publishers. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. And this is a game for one to five players. Playtime of 30 to 60 minutes, which for this one feels about right. This is a pretty quick one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's 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 ranked pretty high uh, compared to like, you know, not being on for not being on my radar at all before this. Uh, right. Right inside the top 150 at number 144 in overall games. That's very and impressive. It is. And so just to give a sense of the theme of this game, the way the game markets itself is that you're drafting a perfect dystopia. And I think that sums it up pretty well. You've got all of these, you know, cards for different types of buildings, and you're basically building a civilization from the ground up from cards you draft and then put into play with resources that you're collecting over time and uh 
The theme of this, though, is pretty thin. Like, it markets itself as a dystopian game, but honestly, there's maybe hints of that in some of the absurdist artwork, but it's not really coming into play in terms of the gameplay really at all. I didn't know it was dystopian until you just read that description to me. Yeah, I mean... I thought it was more just generic, like, time travel sci-fi. Yeah. Because... Some of the like some of the buildings, it's kind of color coded, I guess. But some of the buildings, I'm thinking particularly the blue ones, mm-hmm. are kind of like ancient, old world, like Greek mythology kind of vibes. As you know, there's Atlantis and the Ark right. of the Covenant and the Fountain of Youth and that kind of stuff. Right. And then the gray and black is just like an oil well or like a windmill. And then there's like these the green cards are kind of science bio futurism you know cloning and strange hospitals with all that kind of stuff it's very it's a very strange game yeah well i mean in fairness the the description i read was from bgg mm-hmm. looking at the 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 rule book itself it frames it more in terms of like building an empire so that seems more correct so not necessarily uh dystopian themed but yeah, I would I would agree with you that that's that's closer to the mark because I mean there's a lot of like technological advancement, a lot of like yeah sci-fi adjacent themes. Definitely. Yeah, it just it kind of feels completely out of space and time. Like it almost feels like you have the components for like a civilization game, but instead of going linear, it's just whatever goes. You know, yeah. like you don't start in the Stone Age and end up in space. It's just kind of like. One minute you're building, you know, a spaceship, and the next minute, uh, I don't know, you're putting. What's a good example? I don't know. One of the seven wonders of the ancient world in your civilization. Well, it's it's it, odd. It 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 is odd in that sense, and especially the way the artwork plays into this, because it almost feels like they took, as you said, this like ancient civilization stuff with a little bit of mythology with stuff like Atlantis and then mm-hmm. lumped, lumped it together with a bunch of generic sci-fi stuff, but then used artwork that seems like it's almost like from the industrial revolution or, or like from 1950s and sixties, like cold war era, like yes, anti-Soviet like union yeah. posters. Yeah. It's like brutalist architecture and industrial factories, but science fiction futurism and mythology i don't know it's odd and i was also kind of surprised when you said it's only one artist because it doesn't even look visually consistent all the time but um maybe that's intentional yeah um yeah so i can get into explaining some of the rules it's also hilarious to me that says uh it's ages 14 plus that is really funny because it's really not that complicated of a game no and i feel like there's far simpler or like far more complicated games that'll be like 12 plus or something wasn't scholars of the south tigress 12 plus um i'm squinting right now it's across the room from me i think it's 13 and up okay even then you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) i looked on bgg it's 12 plus so there's no excuse for this 14 plus yeah yeah um Yeah. yeah So anyway, in It's a Wonderful World, um, 
this is a card drafting and engine building game. Mm -hmm. Somewhat, if I had to describe it, it's somewhat similar to Carnival of Monsters that we talked about a few weeks ago. Meets Citadels, which we talked about way back when. Um, Carnival of Monsters in that you get a hand of cards that you then pass around and you draft one card from that hand until everybody, you know, depletes those hands and you kind of engine build from that point and citadels in the way that the building works in that, you know, you're, you're putting these little cube resources on your constructions. And when you fill up all the, all the cube spots, um, that's when your construction is complete. So right. the game is played over four rounds and during those rounds, you go through multiple phases. So the first phase is the card drafting phase where mm-hmm. everybody will end up with seven cards after you know drafting from the available hands. And then you go into a planning phase where you decide which of the ones, which of those cards you drafted this term you want to move into your construction zone and which yep. you want to recycle. So if you choose to recycle something, you get a one-time resource yield from it, which will generally, I think, pretty much always just be one cube of some kind. Yeah. Um, if you choose to move it into your construction zone, then you're slating it for construction, and that's kind of stating that your intention is that before the end of the game, you plan to finish um, building that. And when you build something, it will move into your civilization, and it will do one of two things or both it will give you additional resources when you um harvest resources when you gain income or and or it will give you additional end game points whether that's just through raw points or multiplication bonuses um yeah and you just kind of do that for four rounds so really there's not that much more to get into. Basically, they're different color cards, as we kind of alluded to before, and they kind of do different things. So off the top of my head, the best way I could kind of describe it is the gray and black ones um, generally are not are, are like the least complicated ones to build, and those tend to be um, pretty good for basic resource gathering, yeah. but they don't really score your additional points. The, and I feel like kind of the industrial revolution like the steel and those kinds of types of yes constructions tend to fall into those categories yeah lots of oil rigs yeah yeah um and then the yellow which are i think they're like economic cards and the green which are science are kind of a hybrid where they will get you some of the more valuable resources and also some end game points Mm -hmm. um and then the blue ones are kind of the, um, as far as I know, they never, but maybe some do, they never really focus on giving you additional resources, but they're really good for endgame scoring. So those are kind of like, to use terms from other like civilization building games, like building a wonder. So those are the ones that kind of have, I would, in my taste at least, slightly nicer artwork, some of the more like ancient and mythological fantasy themes behind them um and they tend to just be worth the most points at the end of the game i think some of them do have a resource generation function but they mostly generate a resource that only goes to building more of that color yeah 
Um, yeah, and there are just there are other ways to get points along the way. Like there are these little scientists in general tokens that you can get. Each one's worth a point, and you know you might have cards that give you point multipliers for them as well. Right. Um, and you get those mostly through you know, during the harvest phase for each round, you kind of go resource by resource and whoever gets the most of each resource will get one or one of those as a prize. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the game, you just count up the value of the points printed on the buildings you constructed in terms of, you know, just straight up points and point multipliers um, and the generals and the scientists that you have. And that's basically it. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty straightforward game. There <laughs> it's is, very straightforward. There is one kind of fun wrinkle to this that I wanted to, you know, pick your brain on a little bit. Okay. Because you talked about the recycling of cards in the building phase, but there's kind of like a two-tier process to the building phase. Do you want to get into that a little bit and, like, the strategy behind building something in the first part of that or the second part of yeah so as i said before if you play if you fill all the cube spots on a building that means you've completed its construction um and you know while recycling a building is not the most efficient way to get resources it is useful because you know you're not going to be able to build everything that's one point the other point is that you do your recycling before you gain all other income so if the resource you would get from recycling a card would allow you to complete a construction, you can move it over into your completed area before the actual income gathering begins. So you can potentially get additional resources when you harvest and gain income that round, which is kind of a big deal considering that there are only four rounds in the game. So you only gain income four times. Right. So every time really counts. Yeah, because, I mean, basic idea is if you wait until the formal construction phase to build things, you have to wait until the The next next turn to get resources from those buildings. Yeah. Um, So that's kind of actually bleeding a little bit into what we can do and open up to our discussion about tips and strategies, because that's definitely one of them. What you said, I mean, you've already described this whole recycling function and how you're not going to be able to build everything. But, um, you know, just to underscore, this is an irreversible decision. You can't put something in your construction zone and then decide on your next turn. Oh, maybe I won't be able to build that after After all, I'm going to recycle it now. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what I found is the first few times we played this, I think I was, a little too ambitious in what I thought I could build. And my, uh, when I was kind of borderline on deciding whether or not to keep something or recycle it, I erred on the side of keeping it. And I almost think you're better off erring on the side of recycling. If you're not sure that you're going to be able to build it. Yeah. Because honestly, like unlike carnival of monsters where, those um level four monsters in particular are like very rare in the deck and there's only one of each land type basically big blue scoring cards are going to keep coming up every round in this game 
Um, so and, and you might see them again because after we played a few times when we were passing the cards around, those made the rounds. They weren't the first cards that we were picking generally. Yeah, yeah. Once yeah, yeah. we wised so, up to the resource gathering ramifications. Yeah, but I think one of the one of the strategies in this game is honestly just um, I don't know. It's like you also have to be really good at at self discipline and yeah. just learning to say no. Um, I'm trying to think which game we talked about recently with that, if it actually was Carnival of Monsters, where, you know, it's tempting, or maybe in Horrified as well, we talked about it in a different context, it's tempting yeah. to try to do everything and to try to push your luck um, or keep one more thing in the hopes that it'll pay off. And sometimes, you know, you just have to, you know, lay off a little bit in your best interest. Yeah, that's been a recurring sometimes, theme in our yeah, reviews, sometimes I the, think, uh, yeah. The all-you-can-eat buffet is not going to be uh, feeling so great down the line. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So one other element here that we didn't get into that I think is worth mentioning is you're going to have times where you get a little stuck. And the game has a few ways to help you with that, but they can be pretty costly. Mm-hmm. You know, you have all these resources that you're gathering, And you are able to, if you don't have what you need, you can trade in five resources, I believe it is, to get a red cube, which is essentially a wild. Yeah. But uh, five cubes for one wild, that's a pretty steep uh, trade-in rate, no? Um, I mean, but it's kind of like the recycling where, you know, it can really help you out in a pinch. And also... other than the red cube, all, which, which is called Crystallium, which is interesting. I don't know. Basically, basically unobtainium, I think. <laughs> yeah, basically. Random sci-fi precious yeah. element. Um, yeah. It's the only one that if you don't use it, you can also carry it over into the next round. So that right. is an added benefit to, to it as well that makes it worth the cost. That's so I mean, true. I could see cases where like maybe you build an engine where you're just getting so many. And this kind of happened to me in one of the games we played where you're just getting so many of those basic gray cubes, which I think are concrete, which is way less interesting than Crystallium. But, you know, you have really nowhere to put them, so you might as well just trade them in for something way more valuable that can help you complete more complex builds, or in the case of the really good ones, might actually directly require a Crystallium cube to complete it. Yeah. Yeah. Fair point. Yep. Um, any other tips and strategies? It's a pretty simple game. It's just kind yeah. of... I feel like it's just one of those where, again, like we've talked about lots of games like this, where it's pretty easy to learn and also um, very good rule book, I have to say. Um, yeah. We're on a streak with great rule books. But... It- it, it probably, like, this game also, I think, rewards repeat playing and, and is a good game for, like, trying out different strategies to see what works. I could um, see that. Yeah, and as much as, you know, also you are a little bit the whims of luck based on what you are able to draft. But, well, yeah. and, on, and on that note, we haven't really touched mm-hmm. on this point, but there is some light asymmetry to this based on yes. which civilization you're starting with and they're all you know 
pretty generic futuristic like one for europe one for africa one for some sort of like north american the noram confederacy yeah 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 i Um, mean all the asymmetry is so little and also as you say generic i think that's even putting it it's so like underwhelming like yeah I refuse to believe that futuristic Europe is just a bunch of like smokestacks. <laughs> it's so it honestly like it looks depressing. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. And as far as how the asymmetry affects gameplay, I agree it's not huge, but it does potentially give you a little nudge in one direction or another at the start oh, of the I game. Oh, I think it's I the think main it's a perfect amount. Yeah. I mean, yeah. cuz the basic thing that changes is what resources your starting card gives you at the beginning of the game for each round. And you also get a different end game multiplier. So yes, you might get additional right. like double points for every general you have at the end of the game, or, you know, three points per green construction you finish in your city. Think that that's the kind of thing. Yeah. And just um, a reminder, the the generals and the scientists are those little tokens you get for being having the most of a given resource in a given round. Yeah, and they're usually worth one point each. If you had that setup, which I think was... Um, I think that actually was the Europe one, if I'm right. Yeah. Then basically each general will be worth two instead of one, which is pretty right. good if you have a strategy for getting a bunch of generals. Yeah. Especially which is totally doable. Especially if you end up playing a, a couple cards that automatically give you a, one of those. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so best thing about this game, what do you have? The best, honestly, um, I think the best thing about this game to me was two things come to mind. The first of which is I really like the two tiered construction process. The -hmm. fact that you can use the recycling to basically skip, skip ahead a step and, sneak something into your uh, production zone a turn earlier than you would be able to otherwise. And going along with that, I thought the the balance of the game was quite good. Like, it's the perfect amount of, you know, tension in and tight margins for error in terms of those decisions of when to recycle versus when to build something. Because right. what would you say you can build in a given game? Like between maybe seven oh, to nine. What you're building. Seven to nine cards is probably average, though. Probably, maybe a little bit less, even if you're building right. more expensive things. Yeah, depends what you're trying to focus on. Because you could even have a strategy where you just build a bunch of really cheap gray and black buildings, but you have. Um, you know, one building or your starting civilization gives you a point multiplier for them. So they're actually worth it. And then you could just turn out maybe a dozen. Yeah. So it depends. Yeah. There is some variation there for sure. Um, so my favorite thing, I mean, I, I really enjoy drafting as a mechanism, um, which I also enjoyed a lot when we talked about carnival of monsters. And that was partially why I was so interested in, um, giving this game a try because I'd heard really good things that kind of, um, you know, this I think has been the biggest hit in this genre since seven wonders came out, you know, well over a decade ago. Um, 
But, I mean, the drafting in this game isn't anything unique to it. It's very standard. So I think for me, the specific um, thing unique to this game that I like is just, like, that chaining of the engine building. Specifically, I, I like the recycling, um, the way you can use recycling to kind of tip you over the edge and to actually like upgrade right. your um, income phase before it even begins. It kind of reminds me of, you know, games like Everdell and Lost Ruins of Arnak, where if you have the right setup, you can chain multiple things together and it just kind of draws out a turn into something really impressive and satisfying. And I always like that in a game. Yeah, it's almost yeah. like a like a a Rube Goldberg machine in board game form. Like all of the little mechanisms start tiny chain reactions that add up to a larger effect. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this in the discussion episode we did about engine building games. And yep. um, at the time, we hadn't tried this one, but this game, I think, fits very well in that group. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, there is one other thing I want to touch on, like in terms of very nice features about this game, and that is how easy it is to teach. It's yes, you. It's so easy to teach this game. You can go over the rules in less than ten minutes and be playing, like, within ten minutes. Oh yeah, and like again, I mean, I know you didn't really look at the rulebook very much when I played because I taught you. Yeah. But the rule book, again, it's probably like four pages long because it's not a very complicated game. And it just, most of it is just walking you through around phase by phase. And it's just like one or two sentences per phase. So do this, then do that, then do this, do this, repeat. Oh, you did four times, game is over. Count points, done. Um, yeah. yeah. So and big props for that. And it's diagrammed very nicely too. Yeah with examples um, so what do you have what do you think is the worst thing about this game um there are a few things i think the i think the i don't usually get caught up on the aesthetic of games yeah but but um this one just uh I feel like the I get it. <laughs> I, I feel like the artwork and the and the theme didn't do justice to the game itself. Like just looking at it, I was less excited to play it than I wanted to be. Um, it kind of and, feels as exciting as being in an airport. Like that's yeah. the vibe that you get. You know, even if it's like the nicest airport, it's still an airport. It screams duty free trout, like duty free. Yes store in an you know airport. like oh but, look like yeah. there's the lounge which is nice but it's still in an airport and then right next to it is like i don't know the public toilet you know and that's <laughs> kind of how like the, the deck feels as you're going through it it's just like oh this thing is kind of nice i guess and then the next car is like oh that's that's hideous that's just you know the little ugly tram that carries baggage yeah yeah and <laughs> and so that's yeah that's the first thing i would say the second thing i would say is i have some questions about replay value for this one i think in mm -hmm. terms of 
you know, there aren't that many different types of resources. The deck is not huge. Uh, I feel like if you went on a spree of a few weeks where you played this a whole lot, uh, I might be sick of it by that point. Right. See, I, I can't really disagree with that, except that, you know, as somebody who um, exhausted my copy of Carnival of Monsters, yeah, I, I have to argue the opposite, that I guess in the right situation, if you had the right, you know, if you clicked with this game in the right kind of way, it could be really fun to just play over and over again, even if, you know, even if it's not much of a challenge or you're not seeing much that's fresh. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's just fun to kind of just, you know, have 30 minutes where you just kind of quickly knock out a quick game. Yeah, you know? that's like fair. people who play, you know, solitaire and chess and these things for decades at a time. And it kind of fades into just becoming muscle memory relaxation at some point, which, you know, not my favorite um, thing to get out of. Not my... Not my form of enjoyment of choice when I'm playing a game, but yeah, it's valid in its own way. Yeah. But I agree with you. Um and there is actually an expansion for this game, so I guess like I I could help out. Well I read up a little bit about that. I think uh (laughs) if I'm remembering right from what I read it introduces a campaign mode. Which I'm not I'm not sure it introduces like corruption. And yeah. a bunch of new card types. It looks like I'm scrolling through the images on BGG. There's also some new civilizations to choose from. Um, some more valuable generals and scientists that are worth three points each. So, like, you know, it's probably not a big deal because it's not that complicated of a game. But I guess if you wanted just to switch things up a bit, it could be interesting. It's yeah. called the Corruption and Ascension expansion for those who are interested. I haven't played it. I probably won't. Um, yeah, but yeah, it exists. Well, um, and then and then they've also had kind of a spin-off game. It's a Wonderful Kingdom. Have you heard anything about that? I have that one. I believe is a two-player only game. Okay. So I guess that's the response to Seven Wonders Duel or Splendor's Duel. It's one of those yeah kinds of entries. Yeah, um, because that makes sense. Because you can play. It's a wonderful world with two players, but there are some minor rule changes. And with card drafting games in general, two-player mode tends to be a little bit of a weak point, um, which is why Seven Wonders do right. it in existence in the first place. Right. Just re- that makes, that makes complete it. sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just my, my worst thing about this game is, honestly, the whole production and presentation. Same thing you said. Uh-huh. Um for a game that came out in 2019, I mean, other games that came out in 2019 are Everdell, Wingspan, <laughs> Paladins of the West Kingdom, um, Unmatched, uh, Oceans. No, Oceans 2020, but yeah, whatever. But any, you get my point. Like A lot of games Parks, that look... Parks, I believe, is also another 2019. It's like, a lot you know, of games that just look really polished and like they say not to judge a book by the cover, but like it, it's it, hard to end up you're looking it at so, it the whole game and, and it's so it factors great. in. Yeah. It it looks like it came from 2009, not 
2019 and like little cube resources are i mean i get that like practically they make sense because of how they have to fit on the cards but they right. just kind of look like they came straight out of an old copy of pandemic they do and yeah it kind of looks like an old world war ii game and i don't know i just i feel like this game would be more fun if it just looked better or had a more compelling theme to go with it and it's interesting because like even seven wonders i mean the original version from 2009 or 2010 whenever it came out looks better than this does and then since then seven wonders has also come out with like a new edition that's even <laughs> slightly nicer in some ways yeah um and carnival of monsters honestly is just so so cool compared to this like the artwork and that is fantastic and the theme yeah. is really fun um even if you know it's a little bit generic fantasy again that's just it goes to show like you don't have to come up with like a genius theme for this it can be something very basic but just make it look good and it makes it way more fun yeah yeah, yeah um, i can't dispute any of that so final score well before final score i you know one thing we've periodically done but haven't done in a while is uh talk about similar games mm -hmm. you've mentioned a few uh does is there any of those that you want to elaborate on or not really i mean with seven wonders and carnival of monsters it's basically just pick your poison sure there's These are all there, kind of in the same family yeah there's one other game i wanted to bring up on this front and mm -hmm. the comparisons may, might sound a little bit odd at first because there's no card drafting involved but uh that game's race for the galaxy and okay. I, th I think the main similarity here is that you have like a huge menagerie of resource generating cards that synergize with each other in interesting ways and that you're, you know, trying to build up a civilization. So some of those broad similarities are there, but uh, there's also some interesting wrinkles to the gameplay there too. The biggest one being the fact that you have five phases per turn. Uh, some of them are building, some of them are upgrading cards, one of them is generating resources. But the added wrinkle is that every turn, each player is selecting which phases they want to happen. And the ones that aren't selected don't happen that round. Right. Um, gotcha. so I mentioned that game just as it's not, it wouldn't serve the same function as this game. If you're looking for like a light, easy to get to the table game, uh, it's a wonderful world is definitely that. But mm -hmm. if you're looking for something that plays on some similar game mechanics, but goes a couple layers deeper race for the galaxy is a fun one to check out. Cool. Um, so now we can do final score. Yeah. 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 Do you want to go you first, first or do you want me to? You first. I'm very curious what you think. Okay. I will gladly go first. I'm going to give it's a wonderful world. Seven and a half stars. Okay. It would. Uh, I, I honestly wanted to go a little bit lower, but I think 
the thing that brought it up a little bit for me are how easy it is to learn and the 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 fun little two-tier resource collection system in terms of the recycling and when you can build things. I thought that added an extra layer that made it fun. Uh, but I still do have some real questions with the re- replay value and that coupled with the kind of boilerplate theme just left me feeling after playing this a few times if I were given a choice between playing this or moving on to something like race for the galaxy or even seven wonders, I'd probably opt for those instead. Cool. Yeah. I figured that you weren't going to go much higher than that. Um, but I actually, before you played this, I kind of thought that this would be one that you would enjoy more because I actually, I actually thought you would really enjoy this because I thought, because I know you're such a fan of splendor. Yeah. See that there's some similarities there. There are. You know, Splendor itself, other than like the tips being really cool, doesn't have the greatest production value or replay value itself. So I kind of thought that maybe this would be in your wheelhouse on that level. But yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's just a gut feeling. There's no, yeah. Yeah. Splendor's an interesting comparison. I think, um, I think Splendor gives me that same type of like feeling you have with monsters of just like being able to, well, nostalgia, but just like being so familiar with it, you can just pull it out and play it almost without thinking. I'm at that point with that game. Um, But the other thing for that one is they've got some expansions that add a lot to it and, you know, give you a little bit more fodder to, uh, keep bringing it out to the table but enough about that i'm curious to hear what your score is for this one um i'm also gonna go with a 7.5 um i thought about maybe going to an eight but when i think about other games that i've given an eight to uh i don't think this one is quite at that level i mean again the look is part of it and the kind of not great production um yeah, I mean, it's a very well-designed game in terms of the gameplay. This is yeah. card drafting done really well. And unlike uh, Carnival of Monsters, where you know we admitted to tweaking it with some house rules um, to make it really up to the next level, and unlike Seven Wonders, where like you know you have to buy a whole separate game to play with two people. This one kind of hits the sweet spot, but I just, it just, it's kind of unfortunate. Like, none of the three of these games really is the perfect one. You know, like each of them yeah. seem to have a big flaw weighing it yeah. down, and that's just kind of unfortunate. And in the case of It's a Wonderful World, it is the theme, the artwork, the production value. Um, yeah, it's just, and that might sound superficial, but it really, at least for me, makes it a less engaging experience because you just kind of feel no attachment whatsoever to what you're getting out of that deck. I, th- I think part of what it is, too, is there's not a game board. So the only thing you're interacting with is the cards, really. Yeah. 
I think that's what, I mean, like there is the, like the game board that's just the place to store the resources, but that is honestly, yeah. it's just, it's just great. It looks like it yeah. really, yeah, it really is a non-entity. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's basically a glorified resource like tray. Yeah. So as of right now, I like this is, I mean, I got this at a used game sale, so it wasn't, you know, really much of an investment or a risk. Um, as of right now, like it's it's staying in the collection. Um, haven't played it out yet. Don't know how often I will play it. It might leave eventually in the medium term, possibly, unless I change my yeah. feelings. Uh, but you know, for now, it's fine. I think it's definitely one worth trying. Um, yeah, yeah, and no it definitely, doubt. Like especially for people who like lighter games that. You know, maybe we've just also kind of we've been skewing a little bit heavier lately. Yeah, but even then, like there are lighter games that I easily prefer to this, like Cascadia, Azul, Nidamalair. Mm. So you know, I don't yeah. know. Seven point five seems about right. Yeah, I'm. Cool. That's kind of where I'm landing too. Well, uh, this was um, this was a wonderful episode. It certainly was, and very glad that everyone had a chance to uh, take this dystopian, uh, if somewhat generic, train with train ride with us through uh, the through generic place with no personality. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, yeah. I that that's hard on this game, but it's it's just it yeah. is what it is. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I. I think that's fair. Like uh, yeah. a little train ride through the uh, the airport terminal. I was gonna say. <laughs> yeah, you know but, the the little like um, the airport buggies that they drive around for you yeah. know old people and people who are like rushing to get to their gate. Yeah. Yeah. It's no, one it, of those. <laughs> it is a little bit, but All hope right. that you will keep an open mind as we did uh, and give this one a try, despite despite the appearance of it because there is yeah. some re- really interesting gameplay stuff going on there and it's worth uh it's worth checking out at least yep and while you all check this game out we will get ready for our next episode and we will see you next week <laughs>